Welcome to How the Song Came to Be, where soulful songwriters share the stories behind their songs, as well as tools and creative practices you can use to bring your best songs or other creative works to life. I'm Ann Heaton, your host. So I'm just always so, I feel like so indebted to the work of other artists because I know like their work is kind of like an oxygen mask to me, you know, and that it revives me the same way spending time, you know, in the forest or by a lake, which are like new things for me that I didn't really have those as part of my daily life in Brooklyn. Um, But that replenishes me. Welcome songwriters. I'm Ann Heaton, your host and founder of Soul Song School. Our guest today is writer, filmmaker, and gatherer, Jen Lee. Jen Lee is the director and producer of two feature-length documentaries, Indie Kindred and Bright Lights. She is a Grand Slam storytelling champion. Her autobiographical stories have been featured on the Peabody award-winning Moth Radio Hour. Her resources for artists and makers worldwide include the 10 Letters Project, Movies for Makers, and The Gathering Project. Welcome, Jen. Thank you. I'm so happy to be with you. Thank you so much for being here. I want to briefly frame for the songwriters and other creative souls listening. One of the reasons that I'm so happy that you're willing to be with us today. Um, I feel like you're kind of like a mom of the creative process and the way you're able to articulate and are so transparent about your process. So if you have doubts, you share those if you're having a dry spell or if you're really diving in and leaving your house messy um, or like if you are confused about where you're going but you have a curiosity and you're just following that and I feel like in you sharing those details um, we as other creative folk feel less alone and not only that you give us tools to like dialogue with ourselves um, more tools and um, just with some of the songwriters I meet, you know, there can be a tendency when you get stuck, like I've been working on this song and now I don't, now I don't know where it's going. Like, forget it. Like there can be a tendency to go into that negative self-talk, which may just be part of the process and that's fine. But I feel like your work um, for me and I think for other people is like an invitation to reframe that moment. You know, if you, if you hit an obstacle, um, reframe that moment as maybe um, like an invitation from your creative process or your soul to uh, look at it differently or 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 take a break or or go deeper or ask yourself why you're stuck or maybe engage in more self-care and so that's one of the reasons I'm so happy mm. that you're here to talk with us so thank you yes of course so I'd love to start out um, with the question that I ask everyone, which is, you know, how did you become, how and why did you become a maker? Um, I feel like it's something I haven't thought about <laughs> in a while, like the beginning, you know? Um, but I think maybe, Maybe the simplest version of the story is that I always wanted to be a maker when I was really young. Uh, when you're that age where you kind of think anything is possible. And um, I think that's what I always dreamed of. 
up until the moment where I started talking to myself about what was not possible or, um, you know, I definitely had a moment where I was like, why bother? Somebody else has already done it and they've probably done it better than you. So maybe work on a cure for cancer or something. So I did that. <laughs> I kind of switched gears yeah. and had, uh, you know, decades of another life. And um, it was after uh, I became a, a mom and I was kind of hitting the wall in what I was doing professionally and trying to figure it out and taking some courses and just trying to figure out like, why am I kind of stuck at this level? And I started kind of uncovering all these memories uh, from my earlier years and thinking maybe I'm stuck in what I'm doing because I don't love it. And mm. because there's this other thing that's been with me, like as long as I can remember, and maybe that's worth listening to now. And, um, and so I think that just really started me on kind of a gradual transition that I think most of us go through where we start to kind of overlap because we're just experimenting and stretching into something a little bit. And then as we gain confidence and that grows, then we can taper off, you know, from those older roles or those uh, past identities. Um, and, you know, my oldest daughter's 13 now. So wow. it's been about that long um, that I've been doing creative work and really about a decade since I've been doing it pretty exclusively. Yeah. Um, and what, so, yeah. what did you do before? Um, I was in college, and then I actually, after college, went into what was for me the family visit or the family business, which was Mary Kate Beauty Consultants. Oh, okay. So I was like a, an entrepreneur for like eight years. Okay. Which is really interesting. And even now, I'm like, thank God they taught me how to do my taxes <laughs> as an independent person. You know, sure. it's like funny now to be like an independent artist and be like pulling back on so many of those um, skills about how to work for yourself and right. stay organized and kind of like run structures for it. Yeah. That's important. What were some of the, as a child, what were some of the things that you found yourself making that then later you remembered? I think the main thing was I just I loved Nancy Drew books and I wanted to like be the next Carolyn Keene and I didn't know that that wasn't a real person but that was like you know a hundred women writing under that pen name um but I just I really wanted to be a writer and I loved poetry I wanted to be a poet I remember having this chalkboard in my bedroom and drawing like just spending hours and hours drawing like fashion in chalk, you know, and my carpet being just like covered in chalk from when you'd erase it and the powder would fall down. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, there were a lot of things and I didn't get to do them all. Like I learned to play piano and I always wanted to learn how to play jazz because that's what I loved. And everywhere I went, there was never anyone who could teach me that. So instead I learned classical mm -hmm. piano, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, I probably don't have to like point out too hard is like not the same. <laughs> yeah, I had a teacher in college who kind of taught me how to fake it a little bit, you know, but, um, and even lately, even that's one thing that's on my mind. Cause I think like six months ago, I thought, um, 
you know, I could probably go on YouTube and I could probably teach myself because the truth is I've taught myself most things. Uh-huh. And, um, but I did, I had a, I've recently moved, uh, over an ocean and my family's relocated to Sweden and my piano was one of the things I didn't get to bring with me. So I'm kind of in a gap in between, um, in between seasons there. But, uh, but even that's one thing where I've thought it's not too late. I could go back and pick that up. And I live in this like sweet little (laughs) Swedish village now and they have like a jazz and blues club. Oh wow. They have like little groups that play and I'm like, you know, probably the only one under the age of 50, but uh, <laughs> they're like delighted to have someone come to the shows. So I don't know. Maybe even that I'll go back and pick up some in some small way. Well, I love that idea of like being willing to learn new stuff. Yeah. Like, and I feel like you do that all the time. And I'm wondering, one of the things I want to ask you, like when you, when you realized after you know, selling Mary Kate, like that you really wanted to go back to your creative self as a child. What, I mean, how did you talk to yourself about that? Or how did you, I know, I'll just, so I know for me, like if I'm scared to do something, I don't know if you were scared to do something, but two things happen. Like if the pain of not doing it outweighs the fear, then I will do it. Like, so if I'm like, Oh, I'm so right. happy. And then I'll be like, okay, I'll do the thing that scares me, like go play the yeah. show. Or um, sometimes I have to trick myself. Like if I'm, like when my kids were first born, I didn't want to leave them. So I'd say like, okay, just go to the airport. And if you decide once you get to the airport that you want to come home, you can. So I would just like chunk it down and stuff. So <laughs> yes. For you. I still like, do that. <laughs> yeah, I do that every day. No. Um, just walk to your desk. Just write one paragraph all the time. It's true. It's yeah. a really good method. And um, I don't, I mean, man, there's so many things I could tell you. I just, I tried everything at the beginning. I, I think my first medium that I came through was through writing. And it, I just had this like throwing spaghetti on the wall approach where I just didn't know what I could do or what I was good at. So I just was like, I'll just write a novel. And then I'll write a blog and essays. I just had no idea what I was doing. And um, I remember a conversation I had with my uncle, who's a, he was an English teacher. And um, he also taught film studies. And I remember one night just sitting with him on the couch and being like, am I just like crazy? Like, because there's this thing, I think, where you think, is this just nuts? Because like, how many people are trying to do this? versus like how many actual slots are there in the world for ways that feel like it actually takes off or becomes a thing that you feel validated spending your time on. Um, and <laughs> I remember him saying like a couple things to me. He was like, he told me the story of a friend of his who had been like a friend and colleague like all these years. And my uncle had taught English, but he hadn't spent that much time writing himself personally, but his colleague was just like writing all the time and having this, you know, like kind of low level success. But he said, I just, he just writes because I think he has to. And I think if you have to, you just have to. And then he was like, you know, this was like 10 years ago. And he said, and I think the only sure thing is Oprah. 
you know, <laughs> like unless Oprah picks up your book, like who knows? And we were laughing about that. But I, I think about that a lot lately. I think because I'm in this kind of crossroads moment where my life is changing so dramatically and I'm trying to wrap up projects that I have in motion, but also thinking like what comes next for me and having people make me a lot of different offers. Like you could do this for a job or that for a job, you know? And I, I was thinking the other day, um, I wanted to tell you the story. I was thinking the other day about how I was walking out to the room where I write now and um, we have these spiders, like massive spiders, like poisonous spiders, um, which they never really made that, me that squeamish, but I should probably learn like which ones are poisonous now. But in, it was morning and the light was coming through and there was just this massive spider web um, in a corner of this building. And I was watching like a bug had gotten caught and the spider like ran down and started wrapping it up. Mm-hmm. And later I was, um, I was inside, I was at my desk and I was writing and just feeling this moment where I was like, what, what do I even do? And I feel like for people who have lots of different mediums or different expressions, it can get really confusing. I think it's easier for people who are just like, I'm a writer, you know? Um, but I've done lots of different mediums and, I was like, how, how do I even explain to people what I do? And why do I feel so just like generally unemployable (laughs) and things like this, you know? (laughs) Right. And I thought about that spider that I'd seen. And I thought the thing is, is I feel like I'm built like this, like on the inside, I've got this web and things get stuck in it. Like things that happen to me, Mm. uh, other people's work that I see that inspires me, um, people I love, like you're going through life and these things just get like caught in this web. And then there's something in me that spins it into something, you know, but instead of like using it for food, like at some point in time, I have to just like pull it out of me. Uh, and maybe it's like a piece of writing and maybe it's a film and maybe it's an event Um, but something in me just like, I can't not catch the things Mm -hmm. and I know I can't leave them inside of me and be well, Mm. like I just have to get it out. Um, and there's something about that that feels like so compulsive to me that it feels animalistic. Like I'm just that kind of creature. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, I know some people are like, everyone's creative, blah, 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 <laughs> right? That's not what I'm talking about. But I want to say, like, not everyone is this kind of creature. Like, I can look around my family of origin for hard confirmation. <laughs> like, not everyone is, like, walking through life and catching everything in this web and spinning it into something they have to pull out of them. Mm. But I think if you are, you know it. And I think. Uh, if you want to be well, you'll find a way to do what you do, you know? Does yeah, that make I sense? That. I love the way that you explained that. I, I love, and I love the visual aspect of it because it will stay with me. Um, mm. I know for me, like I've never thought of it quite like that, but I really relate to that. I think if I ask myself how I think of it in this moment, I think of it almost like 
sometimes I feel like I'm haunted by something unknown. Yeah. And this is something I wanted to ask you about. Like, I feel like, and at some point it's so present and it, it comes as like a feeling or something that I have to look at it and go into it. Um, and it won't be ignored. You know, it will like, I mean, yes. I had something like that with me the last several years, every morning when I wake up and I just, I'm like, what are you, you know? So to me, it's almost like, like a haunting or like yes. missing a person that I don't know who it is. Like sometimes I feel like it's like, did I have a sister and like she died and I have like amnesia or something? Like I, there's like this strong presence and I don't know what it is. And maybe yeah. I'll discover what it is once I start writing about it. But that's sort of how, I mean, there are other things like, I mean, I work with a lot of songwriters and a lot of actually people who don't even consider themselves songwriters who have a story to tell, you know, and they're like, I need to like get this story out. Um, but you're right. They might not need, feel the need to get stories out all the time or feel this thing is they're, they're catching all this stuff. So um, I love that. <laughs> yeah. And I wish... I, I have that sense of being haunted too. And I feel like most things I've made have just chased me down and worn me down until I said yes to them. And I feel like that's a bad news thing to say to people. <laughs> like, <laughs> it feels like bad news when it's happening to me. I think because the things I care about the most scare me so much mm -hmm. and I know what it's going to cost me or ask of me. And I, try like to find any way I can to like wriggle out of it and be like, go find someone else, you know, mm. but they just don't, they don't leave me alone. And so I feel like everything I make is actually just my only attempt at having peace. <laughs> being wow. like, well, let me it, go. It's good news in the sense maybe, or to me, I interpret it this way as like, it takes away that question. Um, am I crazy? Yeah. Uh, there's only so many slots for this, you know, that sort of thinking of it on this like worldly level. Whereas if it's just something that's coming for you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm coming for gently, like then, you know, like, and you don't, you know, you yeah. having less of a choice in the matter might be bad news, but it might be good news because then you don't yeah. have some sort of cerebral decision on whether. Yeah. And at some point I realized like no one else is coming. Like, no one's going to make this thing. No one's going to tell this story. No one else has caught this in their web. They're catching other things. Like, this is just you. And if it's not you, then it's going to go unmade, you know? And it's going to go unsaid. And, um, and I think that's the point where I usually call uncle. And I'm like, fine. <laughs> All right, you know? Um, <laughs> It's real sexy, you know? <laughs> like, oh, gosh. Oh, I'm just so inspired. Usually I'm, like, kicking and screaming, being like, don't make me do it. But, um, but I'm, I'm usually glad I did, and I'm always just thinking, like, oh, if one person is glad I made this, that's enough, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's not, like, my dream to, like, be on the shelves of Target or something, you know? Yeah. Um. I think my dream is just to have peace and to be well in my body and to know I'm not like holding anything in me that's going to like 
metastasize and make me sick. You know, that's what I'm doing now. Just trying to pull it all out. Yeah. I want, I want to know like more about what's coming out, but then I'm also thinking something else that strikes me. I was like a couple of weeks ago, where was I? I was on Lake Erie, like listening to the lake, the, mm. the waves. And I was struck by, cause sometimes I think people are like, Oh, you, you're a filmmaker. You're some, you're living your dream. Right. So there's like this idea that it's like this dream. And, and on some levels it can be, and it is sometimes to, to make manifest something that you love. But as I was listening to the waves, I was like, Oh, it's like both. It's like, well, the Christian tradition, it's like your cross and your dream. Like mm. it's, it's the same thing. Like, it's kind of like when you said, what will this take, like take out of me? Like sometimes I feel like when I'm making a record, I'm like, wow, am I really going to do this? Like, <laughs> what will it do to me? Like, I know on the other side that I will have grown, but it's like giving birth or having a kid, you know? Yeah. It's not, um, to be taken lightly. <laughs> yeah, you really spend something that's not easily replenished. You know, I think about that a lot. Do you ever feel like your um, creative process, if you're writing or making things, or maybe you're getting a story ready um, to do storytelling or any of your work, that the process can be replenishing? Or does it always feel like a spending? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, hmm. I don't know if it ever feels replenishing to me. I think sometimes it feels joyful mm. and sometimes it feels like ease. I know when I'm with my friends, it feels like play like in that sweetest, purest version, like when you were children mm-hmm. and you got lost in the game and like time disappeared and you were like in your own imaginary world together. You know, that's kind of my ideal moment is to be lost in it. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that refills me. I think even when I'm in that, those moments, I'm spending and I just can't feel it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I have to just keep a really steady diet of the things that do replenish me, which is like sleep, sleep, like sleep and um, nature Nature. and the work of other artists. And I feel like, you know, especially these last few months when I get real, um, when I get super lost in like a wor- the wordless space, like music is really uh, something that gets me through. Um, so I'm just always so, I feel like so indebted to the work of other artists because I know like their work is kind of like an oxygen mask to me, you know, and that it revives me the same way spending time, you know, in the forest or by a lake which are like new things for me that I didn't really have those as part of my daily life in Brooklyn. Um, But that replenishes me togetherness, like friendship and community. Yeah. Totally brings me back to life. Mm. Um, And all those things I just feel like are kind of like, 
and I'm in a moment now where I kind of feel like I'm a patient on life support and I've got all my different things like hooked up to me to be like, I just need it all. I need the lunch with the friends and I need the walk through the lake and I need the nap. And I need yeah. the like documentary about the Foo Fighters. And I need the song that I'm into like on repeat, you know, uh, those things are refueling me. And, um, I just want to highlight that for, for anyone listening, just that, I mean, you could call that self-care, but just all the things that are, are filling you up. Um, if you are someone that doesn't necessarily feel filled up in your making to, to, I hate saying the word refuel, but (laughs) cause soon we'll be on electric cars, but to replenish. Yeah. And all of those things. I feel like a really good conversation is so, and naps, I'm all about naps. <laughs> if I can get a nap. I used to feel like I could write in my nap. Like if I didn't know yes. what I wanted to say. like I Sleep it out. Yeah, I just would like take a nap and then I'd get up and like write the little letter or yeah. whatever. Um, which I is- think that we resist doing those things because they don't look outwardly productive. And we love to like be able to have something to show for our time, like a checked off checklist or something, yeah. to-do list. But um, they're actually shortcuts, you know? And I think that's why I, I leave so much space in my life for things like friendship and conversation and togetherness, you know? Things that maybe other people don't leave as much time for is because mm-hmm. I don't think like that's time away from my work. I'm like, no, that's that's the part where I find the shortcut through the forest and I get there faster, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think about it like that. Absolutely. But it's hard. I'm like addicted to being productive. So I really have to talk myself through that stuff and be like, it's fine. How do you talk yourself? Like, what do you say? Even today, even before I was talking to you, I, like, really had to rest to, like, conserve my energy. Like, this is late in my day, you know? Yeah. And uh, I just had to tell myself, like, it's okay. If you do this well, tomorrow you'll be back. Yeah. Or you're going to resist and fight it, and it's going to be, like, days before you're okay again, you know? Yeah. I feel like I resist so many things. Yeah, and um what do I want to say? Mm. Yeah. It's, it's like, I, I feel like I'm presented with a choice. I can like labor over something or I can get in a really great state of mind and take a walk in the forest or call a friend or just say whatever you feel like working on. And that's what you get to do for the next two hours. Like whatever, yes. you know, not the thing that's due, you know, and then suddenly it just comes. And in that moment, I'm like, wow, this is so easy. Like I could have labored over this, but instead I decided to, um, just like create happy is not the right word, but just like almost like a, like a soulful loving space. And then it was just like here, you know? Yeah. Um, I think I spent years having to like rework my paradigm for how creative work gets done. Uh, because I think I was raised with this kind of idea of traditional work where more time plus more effort gets more results. Mm-hmm. And I just found with creative work that that equation doesn't hold. 
And like throwing more time and effort at it is not the way to get where you need to go. You know, I just got tired and the work got thin and it wasn't yeah. rich or yeah. deep. Yeah. So I really had to just kind of create a new paradigm for myself that was like, you know, that, that formula works for some types of work, but this type of work is different and you have to learn its ecosystem yeah. and play by its rules, you know? Yeah. That took, I find I really that every time that. I go to this one dance class, I, this Nia dance class, I feel like something amazing happens. I leave and I get like an amazing email about something really cool. I get to like teach or do, or I get a great idea. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that, that is so, I mean, I feel like that other paradigm only works in like short bursts of like an hour. Like, Ooh, I'm going to work yeah. on this for an hour. I'm going to set the time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but if I can't take that approach all day long, like. Yeah. But I think I kept looking at my life through the lens of someone who does more of a traditional job and thinking, <sighs> Oh, this looks so cush. <laughs> this looks so like, like what you're going to like sit on the, you're going to lay on the sofa with your hot water bottle on your feet and watch a documentary about Foo Fighters and this is your work day, you know? Like there's something about it that just looks so posh and like I was just eating bonbons or something. But um, <laughs> but the truth is it's like what we do, it, it takes something. It takes something different than like collecting tolls at a toll booth. Like that, that takes a different kind of energy than what it takes to like pull something up from like the deep places inside you and yeah. fashioning it into something that has some form that you can pass it on to someone else and that they can ingest, you yeah. know, like yeah. that, it just takes something and the way the mechanisms of it work are mysterious and a lot of invisible, a lot of it's kind of invisible. Like who knows what that opens up. You just right. know, you start to learn yourself and you start to learn certain things shake something loose for me. Yes. Like if I find a song with like just the right kind of rhythm, I can get that thought out on paper, you yeah. know, but it's almost like a key having to turn the lock. Right. Um, and everyone's a little different. And I think it just takes some time to learn yourself. And some things are kind of universal. Like I feel like stillness, movement, nature, friendship, like those feel pretty universal to me. Like, mm -hmm. Anyone can try those. Stillness, nature, today. movement, friendship. Yeah. Stillness, nature, movement, friendship. Just wanted to highlight that. <laughs> <laughs> that Sometimes my... I need things to be like super simple. I'll be like, yeah. feel good. What's wrong? Oh, wait, is it stillness? <laughs> yes. I know I have to make checklists for myself because when you're falling apart, you do not have your high level mm -hmm. thinking left. You're like a child who's hungry mm -hmm. and just like, melting down right <laughs> so you have to right. be like wait when did i eat protein how much water have i had today right <laughs> you know so giving yourself permission to have your work not look like work and whether that means that you just have to um be more compassionate towards yourself or whether it means that you just don't tell other people what you're up to <laughs> Yeah, totally. Because maybe you can't tell everyone that you... You can't tell everyone. Did, but, you know, for example, that you watch the Foo Fighters documentary lying on the couch for your workday. But, but also having that interaction, like they, there's another artist, um, you know, like awaking something in you. So you, you're having that interaction. Um, something I really want to ask you about that I've heard you talk about um, 
you'll, you'll have to put it in your own words, but I've, I've heard you say, this is how I interpret it. You are working on something and you don't necessarily know what it is yet. Um, mm. Instead of like knowing what you want to make and working towards that goal. And I've been having this experience. I feel like this is where frustration comes in for me until I recognize it for what it is. Um, I was working on a song on Monday. Like I, th I sat down to work on a song about celebrating because I thought like, you know, I always think I need a few more happy songs in there because <laughs> I'm so good at the other kind. And so, and, and my kids wrote some of it. And so it is a really like a happy place for, but as soon as I sat down to work on it, something else showed up like a totally other thing. And so I was just writing and it felt really good to be writing into and exploring something that I didn't know what it was, right? It felt so great. Um, I don't know if you experience this, but I feel like I, I have like two ways of being. Like, and if I could always be in that zone, I would always be happy. It felt great. But it was, it was an unknown zone. I didn't really know what exactly I was writing about. I didn't know what I would find. I didn't know what the form was. And so I was very happy. Then at some point, the part of me that wants to know what it is came up and was like, started to evaluate and judge and be like, does this make sense? Um, and what is this going to be? You know, and suddenly I was in a much less happy place. So I had to, to walk away from it and come back to it later. But if you, I mean, if you have anything that you want to share about, I mean, I feel like, great art it comes from the unknown because we're just writing about what we already know it's we already know it and um i don't know i just would love to get your thoughts on that your, your stories yeah i think a lot of times it just feels like um it's <laughs> like very old memory from like when i was younger and that movie came out the hunt for red october i feel like that movie is like in my psyche in some like deep way that was about submarines uh, during the Cold War. And I, I think it's because there's, that's the first time I was introduced to this idea of like sonar and being able to like send out sonar pings and navigate with them. And that's how it feels like a lot to me. Like it just feels like uh, I have like some sonar and I can't quite tell what that thing is, but it's when I send out a signal, it's bouncing off and coming back at me. And so maybe I like circle it and try to figure out the shape of it, you know? Um, and I think it's a lot harder of a way to make something than if you, I think this is one thing that makes artists different from entrepreneurs. I think entrepreneurs can like start with like, what's a need and what can I make? And then they work their way backwards with the end result in mind. But I feel like with art, with artistry, there's this way where because it's something you're pulling out of you or something mysterious, it's like coalescing around you that it's a lot more, uh, I don't know. It's like you're finding your way in the dark. And I think I've just found a way to find other people who don't mind that feeling. Uh, who trusts me maybe to know I'll find my way through it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this last project I'm been working on, I, I'm working on my third film now. And it's been 
you know, these things, if I look back in my journals, sometimes they go back years. And then they still at times feel like it just occurred to me. <laughs> I look back and I'm like, no, I've been some piece of that's been haunting me, like we were saying before, for a long time. But I just had this feeling like, I don't know, like might be a film and it might be like a website and it might be like a community or a project. You know, I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. But I felt like I was getting certain pieces of it. Like I felt like I I was thinking of people who were meant to be part of it and I didn't know what it was. And so I just started reaching out to them and saying, I don't really know what this is. It's like, we're going to build the boat as we go. And are you interested or do you hear anything in this that might be a fit for you? And I was just really lucky that people were like, yes, I'm in. It doesn't matter what it is or what it turns into. And then it would just take shape a little bit and, you know, a couple of those people turned into like producers. Like I've never had people help produce a film with me. And suddenly I had people helping with that. And I had, you know, just like, I, I just felt this team kind of being formed around me. Uh, and it just kept morphing and morphing and morphing. And then it's like, at some point you're like, okay, here's the film. And we try maybe something out, maybe it's a community and maybe that was a short-term project or maybe it's something we come back to. I don't know. But um, I think it looks like that a lot. And I just, um, you know, it was after the first film, after I did Indie Kinder, that I was doing a Q&A someplace. It was um, in the Outer Banks and uh, Jonathan Brooke was there with me. And um, someone else from the film and we were doing this Q&A afterwards and someone had asked about like some process question. And I was like, I don't really know. And Jonathan was like, let me tell you how Jen Lee does things, (laughs) which is so funny when your friends step in and like give the outside view. And she's like, Jen Lee is like, maybe I think I want to make a movie. How about I go first? I need a camera. Okay, I'm going to buy a camera. Next, I need this. Okay, now I'm going to do this. And I didn't realize until she said that, but that's really just how it goes. Like, I see, like, I get one step ahead of me is what I can see. And then I take that step, and then usually another one appears. And it's like, okay, I can go buy a camera. Yeah. Okay, I can, like, you know what I mean? Oh, um, you know what you mean, yeah. But I never... And, but it opens you up for like serendipity in a way that I never could have like conceived of it in the end. Like when I made that movie, I was trying to make a 10 minute short film because it would have been crazy to me to think like, I'm going to make a (laughs) movie. That's crazy. I was trying to make a 10 minute short and I didn't realize until after it was all shot and I typed up the whole thing. And I counted the pages and I was like, oh my God, I accidentally made an hour long movie, you know? So it's just these things. That was what happened with Indie Kindred, your first, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I never would have guessed, like if you'd asked me in the beginning, like I never would have guessed like, oh, that I'd ever get to connect with like you and Winterbloom to work on that. You know, I just, so many things about it kind of would have surpassed anything I could have planned or imagined. Mm-hmm. but when you like leave enough openings for just to like take one step and be like, okay, well my favorite group is playing at this show down the street from me. I'm just going to go, well, maybe I'll just send them an email. <laughs> it's 
see if they mind, you know, tell them about the project. And then it's like, oh, cool. Then not only did I get to feature you in that film, but then I got to meet you and get to know you. And like, what a gift all of that is. Right. But you miss all that if you think that you have to like know before you start. And I just feel like that's, some people work that way and it's a style, but it's just not the way I'm wired. I think my way is a lot more intuitive and um, I think I just like to leave a lot more space for like some kind of invisible help, you know, to be in the dance with me on it. Yeah. Two things are striking me right now. One is I'm thinking like to get that email about like, I'm making a film or I'm making something. I don't know what it is. Do you want to be like how disarming it would be to get that email? Like making something she doesn't know what it is. Am I in? Yeah, I'm in. Like, you know, versus like people like, here's what it is. Like, is this a good fit for you? You know, like I, I find that to what a wonderful invitation to get. Mm. Um, the other thing I want to ask you, just because I'm wondering it, and I wonder if the people who will be listening will wonder it, is like when you're taking those little steps, like get the camera, that's the first step, you know, and you don't have the end result in mind, but you know you're working towards something, do you, how do you deal with the voice if it comes up like, this isn't worth it, or like, this isn't going to work, or like, just any of those, those voices, how do you just like kind of quiet them to take the next step? Um, well, I think once I, once I recruit a bunch of friends into it, then I feel like I can't quit. Ah. So like, I, I really believe in it until everyone else says yes. Once everyone's on board, then I never believe in it again. (laughs) And I'm like, just racked with doubt the whole time. But I have to finish because I just roped everyone into it, you know? Uh, and everybody else can hold the belief in a certain way. Um, but I think that's one thing. I think my I think my producers who I'm working with now are just really good at reminding me every time something feels impossible. Because I've felt like I've been up against impossible challenges. And they'll remind me. Well, remember when the last part where you thought that was impossible? Remember when you were trying to plan the film shooting and you had all these people with all these schedules and you thought you'd never find a date where everyone could leave New York for the same seven day window. And look, you found a way, you know, and remember when the next part that felt totally impossible and you did it. And there's something about also, I think letting people witness your journey and just remind you, it's like having people remind you like, Oh yeah, you're always a little PMSy. Then you feel better the next day. You know, it's just some kind of outside thing where you're like, oh, this is actually just part of my rhythm. Every time I do, you know, prepare a story to tell on stage, Mm -hmm. there's always this moment where I think this will be the time I don't pull it together. This will be the time I can't do it. And it's almost like they tell people about with childbirth, like this moment where you're actually close to the end, where you most feel like giving up. And I think, oh, when I hit that moment, that means I'm really close. That means I'm 48 hours away from cracking the code. Right. Like, it's so close. Just hang in there. You're ready to give up. You're almost there. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I, I, that makes me want to cry. That feels so, so true. And 
I love, I mean, the idea of like letting other people witness your journey and inviting those people in, not just for accountability, but so that they can remind you like this is part of your process or that that's so beautiful. And I think such an important um, thing to cultivate if you can, even if you're someone who normally writes alone, I think there are ways you've found many ways. I'm sure sometimes you do work alone, but you have the podcast or the letters with Tim Manley and then maybe even a podcast where it's yeah. two artists talking back and forth about what they're working on. Yeah. I try to let people in as much as I can. And I feel like that's one thing that helps is that people can remind you. And, um, and I think a lot about, I've been thinking of new ways to do this in the future. Like I'm thinking about, uh, doing some videotape, maybe even Friday, like in two days time of, like recording part of my film editing process even because I just feel like the process is a, is a thing too. Like the process is a gift just as much as the end result is uh, because I think everyone else who's in the midst of their process can just feel like less alone in it. Like you were saying before. Yeah. And I just know that's all I need to know. I don't need anyone to like know the solution to the problem I'm working on. Uh, but if I just know someone else is out there trying, I'm like, okay, I'm not alone in the room. I think that's the thing. I just, I can't, I don't like to feel alone in the room with things. And um, I'm doing very solitary work right now with some writing that I'm working on. And I still am like, I have friends that I check in with and I'm like, here's what I worked on today. I'll take a little picture of a piece I wrote of it, you know? because I just don't want to be alone in the room with it. Um, that feels really lonely to me. And, um, and I have people who like, I want to sit with them in the room that they're in, whether that's their, what's happening with their creative work or the life transition they're in, or, you know, I feel like everything's tolerable as long as we don't feel alone in it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, And, um, just having like kind company, it's like all you really need, you know? I know. It's so true. How do you, how do you pick your, how do you choose your people that you want to check in with? Uh, <laughs> um, how do I? I don't, I feel like I've always just kind of had this funny friend radar, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe it, how you like can just kind of feel who your people are. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one piece of it, of just feeling like someone's a fit or like with that team, I just felt like I don't, I haven't really talked to this woman before, but we've kind of known each other online and I'm just gonna, I just have a feeling about her, you know? And then it turns out usually to be pretty spot on. But I think I also look for people who have space, like people who just have space for me. Mm. Um, where there can be some kind of reciprocity where I feel like, Oh, I'm not going to like infringe on you if I leave you this message. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately, actually. I was just telling a friend earlier today that it reminds me of those slot machines, you know, like Mm -hmm. Las Vegas or something. When I think about all the things that really have to line up, like for friendship to kind of click and it's like, Sometimes it's a stage of life piece that's lining up or not lining up. And sometimes it's an availability piece like, oh, I'm available 
on the phone during the day, but they're only available in person at night. Like that's not a fit. So sometimes it's like people, you know, there's a certain alignment of where we're at in our journeys is kind of like aligned, even if we're at a totally different life stage, you know, uh, and there's some kind of alignment with our availability where we're both willing to be available to meet in a certain way mm-hmm. and to give each other a certain kind of space. And yeah, I think that reciprocity thing is pretty big for me. I try, I'm not always good at it, but I try to follow that rule where it's not like one person is, um, I don't know. It doesn't feel like an imbalanced seesaw. Right. You know, I don't want somebody else to get swallowed up in my work. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I want to connect with someone who's also like into their work too. Yeah. And, um, and I think a lot of these connections are like, it helps to just allow them to be seasonal and to be like, this was a companion that was brought to me for this moment in time and I'm going to cherish them and enjoy it. And then maybe in another season, it flows in a different direction. We have different companions come along our way, like to allow there to be fluidity too, mm-hmm. which is hard sometimes. Yeah. I wish you could just like hold on to people forever. Keep on. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But sometimes you just got to play with the people who want to play with you. Yeah. And I also just try to, yeah, I don't know how to describe some of that, like how you know when people are for you. Yeah. Like even before we moved to Sweden, I was looking for new friends on Instagram. Oh. And it's like, I can find them. I can pick them out, you know? Wow. And then we meet and I'm like, of course, here you are, you know? Um, Love having that level of mindfulness around friendship. That's something that I've thought a lot about more recently um are actually the word is maybe more like proactive mm. so i feel like a lot of times you find yourself in these like your kids school you know like those are the people that are there and maybe it's the parents of your kids classmates so those are the people that are that are there but having this mindfulness of who is a good fit um so obviously that's not inherently a creative space, but it's inherent. It's not inherently not a creative space either. Yeah. And I just think we need different types of people for different things. Like, Oh yeah. I love having neighbors. <laughs> like I love having people who I just bump into on this street, you know? Uh, and those don't feel less important to me because I'm like, Oh, you're not a like creative kindred, you yeah. know? Yeah. I'm like, no, that's pretty sacred and holy to me too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we need a lot of different types of people, but I do like, I do, I'm really grateful for people who will just journey alongside me like that. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for talking. I've, we, I haven't talked with anyone about friendship yet. I feel like we could do a whole show on that. But um, so, oh, I know something else I want to ask you before I have you tell one story about something you made. Um, if you, if you have a few more minutes. Yeah. Um, have you ever uncovered like, so there's something about you. I didn't even, I haven't thought about this in a long time, but I think knowing that I was going to talk to you today, I remembered that I had this belief. I don't know where it came from. Probably something when I was a kid that like, 
if something wasn't working out for me, if I was working on a song or trying to make something, I would go, I would, there was this belief in the background that, um, well, if, if, if I were meant to do this, right? If I were meant to finish this, it would be easier. Or if like God wanted me to, or the universe wanted me to, to sing, I wouldn't like have a bad day of singing or have it, you know what I mean? Like that, that, that the world was not on my side. And that's such a funny belief to say out loud because it sounds absurd. Um, but what I've noticed is that sometimes these beliefs are like in the background. So I can't even like engage them to be like, you're not true, but they're running back there. So it might be like, it might manifest like, you know, I'm writing something and I have an idea and I'm really excited about it. And then later I realize, oh no, actually I want to do it this way. And I throw that out and I do this. That belief in the background might say, well, you know, if, you know, you were so excited about that first idea, like, were you wrong? Like, can you not trust yourself? Like, why are you throwing that? Can you not trust the process? Because if the process were really pure, why would it take you through all these in, you know, in, things that you eventually end up throwing out, throwing out. Now, of course I do this all the time. Like I'm changing stuff and, and I go through the pro, but I find that I still have those sort of unhelpful tapes running and yeah, I wonder if you do too and what you do about that. Yeah. I think that's pretty common. I think it's like, it seems like a pretty common way for, just the way the part of us that's afraid and that's trying to protect us from some future disappointment or danger. That's like, look out, be careful. You know, we have this kind of cautious voice. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I think I just, I think I just have to trick myself into believing things that are helpful for me to believe. Mm-hmm. And to not even hold them like the truth, <laughs> but like to say like whatever stories I say to myself about it is made up. So I might as well make up something helpful. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, I wouldn't have gotten to this moment or this solution or this idea if I hadn't taken those three left turns, you know, or whatever. Um, I have to kind of just write into the narrative. Like I only get to be this version of myself because I have all of this at my back. I mean, I can look at my twenties and be like, what the heck did I do? I lost a decade of my life. (laughs) Like it's been a decade, like selling lipstick. Like what, what, where could I have been? You know, there was this way at first when I started doing creative work where I felt like almost like grief about like lost time or something. But the truth is something in me wasn't ready yet. And I didn't, I hadn't uncovered any of those desires yet. You know, I didn't know I wanted to make movies until I moved to New York City and I walked down the street and I saw a flag for NYU film school and I stopped dead in my tracks and just felt this like grief. Like there was film school. No one told me there was film school. Yeah. And I had these two babies and I had this June Cleaver life and I was like, I missed it. It's too late. But I promise you, if I'd been a senior in high school and I told somebody I wanted to make movies, they would have helped me figure that out. But that was like not even a conscious desire before that moment. Right. So I feel like 
it's so, I feel like it's more helpful just to say to ourselves, like, it's a mystery. Like our journeys are kind of mysterious and we get there the only way we can. And whatever force is trying to get us to where we're going is nudging us along and we'll get there in the end. You know, um, I feel like I just am like, whatever I'm saying to myself that's making me feel discouraged is made up. So how about I just make up something that makes me feel like there's nothing wrong here. You're right on time. You're right on schedule. Like today when I was really tired, I was like, of course you're tired. Let's just review the last seven months of your life. I think you're due a day to lay down and watch Netflix. It's going to be fine, (laughs) you know, but it's like, what? You know, we feel this panic when things aren't going the way we think they should. Um, but I think yeah. that helps. Yeah. And in and, and that you, you are your, you are your own, um, kind company. Yes. You know? And I'm trying to learn that more and more. And the people who've come alongside me, who've been such kind voices to me, I try to listen to the way they speak to me and internalize that so I can speak to myself that way. Yeah. You know, I feel like they're teaching me how to say like, oh, of course you feel that way. Of course. And like to make it feel like this is normal. This isn't a problem. You'll get there. Keep going. Take care. You know, it's just like very, very basic soothing things. But it's like, oh, I could actually learn to just speak that way to myself. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like my new next developmental step I'm trying to take. Yeah. Is to try to become a good friend to myself. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's a way in which I think a part of me is trying to help me by saying there's a problem here, you know, to like get everyone's attention to be like, oh, you're not going to finish this project unless we freak out, you know, (laughs) don't forget, you know, whereas this other (laughs) way, like, it's going to happen. It's like this version of Anne that's standing off in the corner with a, a clipboard. It's like, uh, excuse me, attention. Yes, yeah. Right here on the clipboard where you're like, no, actually, you're not the helpful voice. Well, what I've realized as an adult is that I think that she came out of that actually I'm like super type B and I'm really super slow. Mm. And I married someone who moves slowly in the world and I love that about him. But when we go on vacation, we discover that I actually even move more slowly than him. And he's like, are you ready? And, and so it makes sense to me that I would have this manager like, come on, you know, like this is, you know, just in having to get to school in the morning as a kid or just any of the yeah. things that we were required to do. Yeah. Um, that we you never you get this part that like cracks the whip. Yeah. It's like, and you have to be able to function in the world because, you know, sometimes there's a court date and you have to be there, right. <laughs> you know? Right. So it's like nice to let those people, but to learn like where their domain is. And to be like, I'll let you be really uptight about what we're having for dinner tonight. But for the next hour while I'm writing, I just need you to like go on holiday. Right. You can be in charge of driving the car. (laughs) You're not in charge of playing the song. Um, Yeah. All right. Well, I want to be respectful of your time and everyone listening. So if you are willing to share a story of a specific story of how something you made came to be. Yeah, I I think one thing that was 
Maybe one of the last things I made that was like such a surprise to me was on my last documentary, uh, which is called Bright Lights. Um, it was the first time I was doing a film that was about people who are telling true stories from their life on stage in New York City. And so, um, you know, when you're, the dream is, I like the documentaries I really love, I love documentaries about musicians because there's like this beautiful, like built-in soundtrack to them. Mm. Um, but with story, it was kind of a challenge because there's no, you, you know, kind of like built-in natural soundtrack to that. And um, it was also a really personal story for me about and a real personal look inside the story of the friendships that I made inside that community in New York. And, um, and so when it came time to look at music and, um, there's a lot of like great resources now that help filmmakers partner with musicians. And I definitely, I know more of those now and, um, I use them. I have friends who are musicians whose music I really love, but I feel like with this one particular story, I was, I felt it's <laughs> having an efficiency problem like because there was something that felt inefficient to me about listening for hours to try to find the thing that felt right when I already knew how it felt I was like I could feel in my body the emotion of it and it felt exhausting to me to just like spend four hours to find one 60 second clip and then have a whole hour of a film that I'm trained to score this way, you know? And um, so I had this, like, Korg keyboard that I bought in my former life, back before I did creative work, you know, back in Denver. And um, I bought it used at a guitar center. And it was one of the things I had the most buyer's remorse of of anything I'd bought in my life, where after the fact, I was just like, what was I thinking? Like, why did I buy that? Um, but I had it in my apartment and I, I just asked my husband and I was like, is there, there's got to be a way to like plug this into a laptop. There's just gotta be a way to do it. Uh Um, I tried to just record something with it, with a microphone and Brooklyn is so noisy. It's ridiculous, you know? Like, there are fire trucks going down the street. My children are, like, pitter-pattering through the room. And my husband, it was just really funny. He was, like, looking at it, and he goes, I think I have this cable from this rock band guitar video game. (laughs) You know where you buy, like, the plastic guitar? (laughs) Play the video game? So he pulled it out, and he did. He had this cable that, like, Went from the Korg keyboard, USB, into the laptop. And I was like, tried it out. And I was like, that's kind of amazing. There's no room noise. My kids can be going nuts in the background. It's not like messing up the recording. And so I just started like every day. I just, it was that thing where you're like, you feel it out there. And I was like, I'm just going to sit down at this keyboard and feel my feelings and move a little bit and then hit record and just see what I come up with. Mm. And um, ended up writing, like scoring the whole movie that way. 
And by the end, when I went to edit it, I had, you know, like 12 or 14 tracks. I don't have any of it written down. And like, I've never taken a composition class. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, I tried at one point to just write things down so I could recreate them, but it just felt like it was taking too long. I mean, I was literally just recording it as it came out. And um, I went to edit it and it was just like, there was just the right piece for each moment. And they just like dropped right in like puzzle pieces and there was the music for the film. Um, so magical. And it's so funny because there's this way we can make ourselves feel like illegitimate. Like who the hell am I? Like I've never learned how to write a song, you know, <laughs> I've never, um, but I know, I knew how that felt to me mm-hmm. that season and um And then when the movie premiered in April in New York City, it premiered at the Manhattan Film Festival. And I got to sit in this theater and watch it play. And there was a woman from the storytelling scene there who I really love. And she's like in her 60s. And she was sitting right in front of me. And she didn't know I was behind her. (laughs) It was like the best seat in the house. Because it started, the movie started, and she was like, it's beautiful. Like she couldn't stop like talking out loud. And then, um, and then the first song queued up and she was like, and the music and I just, everything in my body relaxed. And I was like, it's going to be okay. But I just heard it play in this movie theater. And I went, I was so surprised because I just, you make these things in your living room with some cable from your husband's like video game. <laughs> but then you're like in this movie theater and you're like, oh my gosh, it looks like a real movie, you guys. It sounds like a real movie. When I got into the festival, I was like, oh my gosh, I like tricked them. They think I'm like a real filmmaker. They think this is a real thing. They don't know I just made it in my living room while my kids were like freaking out in the background, you know? It was just really, really funny. So that was the first time where I just ended up like writing the whole, the whole thing. And it just, it feels like my heart. I don't, I don't know. It's like, I think that's what I'm doing with my films. I'm trying to bring people inside my heart and give them like some tour of some room there, you know, like here are the people who live here and here's how it looks and here's how it sounds. Um, And I love that medium because it gives you so many layers to do that with like color and light and movement and words and people saying their story in their own voice and then music, you know, it's just, it's the closest I can get. That is so it's the closest I can get. Is there so, any way that we can see the film or not yet? Um, it's not out online yet because it's still making the rounds at the festival. So it'll be playing at the Adirondack Film Festival in New York next month. Okay. In October. Um, and once it's done at the festivals, then I'll, I'll release it digitally. Okay. So if you're not on Jen Lee's mailing list, you can go to jenlee.net, J-E-N-L-E-E.net, and then... We'll hear about that when it comes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I cannot wait to see that film. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. Now the real musicians will be able to hear all the mistakes in this. <laughs> I can, well, I'll tell you, just, you know, I, I don't know if you know my album, Blazing Red, but I, I had this vision of how I wanted the cover to look. And I kept um, communicating with artists, like, through the mail. You know, I'd be like, I'd send a little like sketch. Like, I think I kind of wanted to look like this. 
-hmm. And then they'd send back something amazing like that I could never do. Um, but I, it, I'd be like, that doesn't quite feel right, even though it's amazing, right? I did that with a bunch of different artists. And each time I would try to kind of get better at the sketch and have it more encapsulate like this certain feeling of kind of like, um, well, I can't remember the words of how I, how I would describe how she was, but it was sort of like, um, the, the original title was going to be my only way out is in and that that's not the title but that was sort of what I wanted the the drawing to feel like and have, have it have white in the back and as I was going through this process by like the fifth person I was like one day I looked at it I'm like this is actually it like this is the drawing <laughs> I'm just gonna use this I just did the drawing like that's amazing I, I love know, that so much I don't know how to draw and then we just the inside I'm like Okay, I just did the artwork. Perfect. I don't know how, but there it is. I love that. Yeah, so I your story reminds me of that, but um, yeah. Well, and that song in particular of yours, My Only Way Out, is in, I've been listening to a lot in this season. So I want you to know it's like part of the soundtrack getting me through. Oh. And I've been thinking about that a lot. I can't wait to share new, new music with you. I wanna, mm, I wanna have me either. <laughs> conversation, yeah. Um, so in wrapping up, is if there's one thing you could say to makers, songwriters, writers, what, you know, as a thing to remember as a little inspiration, what would it, what would it be? Gosh, I just feel like the thing I'm saying to myself over and over these days is just keep going. I just keep saying it to myself, like, keep going, keep going, keep going, you know, hard season, dark days. Uh, I just, I feel like the only way is just to keep going, you know? Cool. Thank you, Jen. Thank you. It was really lovely to talk to you today. I, I adore you. Okay. Until next time. Okay. Thanks so much for joining us. If you know someone who would enjoy or benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. Thanks so much. Much love.